Welcome to Sustainability Stories, Balancing Act of People, Planet and Profits podcast. If you're a regular listener, thank you very much for joining me every week. And if you're a newcomer joining today, welcome. While you're here, please do take a moment to give your reviews and rating for the show as it really helps. This is episode 22. Yes, listeners, we've come this far in the journey and today's episode we aim to address new topics that we haven't previously covered in the podcast one such topic is the s of the esg esg of course stands for environmental social governance and the definition of the s the social is how does the company treat the people it interacts with such as employees customers suppliers and the surrounding community in a nutshell that's the impact a company has on its people and their communities Now, that's a broad topic by itself. In today's episode, we have a great guest speaker joining us to support our learning in the S pillar with the topic of SDG 5. Now, SDG 5 is about gender equality and empowerment to all women and girls. Without much further ado, let's welcome my guest Aradhana Kowala, who has great many roles on corporate leadership. Her roles include CEO, founder of Aptamind Consultants, founder of 5810, a board member, a non-executive director, chair of the Global Advisory Board for the Red Sea Development and a keynote speaker. And it's a pleasure to have her with me in Dubai, and we thought it's really appropriate to do this as International Women's Day is on the 8th of March, and as we heard to hear today, to talk on a topic which is so sentimental and close to all of us which is SDG 5 and gender equality so welcome aradhana truly honored to be in your company and what a pleasure to host you in person and by the pool side here in dubai thank you for having me radhika i know this has been long pending since last year and i'm very grateful for your patience but the good thing like you said is we're doing better than a remote podcast we're live from dubai so even better and i shall try to make it worth your while <laughs> so you're a regular visitor to Dubai you've told me this so tell me what do you like about visiting UAE and Dubai I think the sheer scale of changes here is phenomenal and to be honest a little mind boggling right I think the expo is a good example I've been a few times and I think it's a true testament to what is possible when you can effectively combine political will with financial commitment and you know sprinkle brilliant talent creativity and marketing i mean the results as you can see are rather spectacular i haven't yet been to the museum of the future i think it's an architectural marvel uh, but my friends who have visited tell me it's every bit worth the hype so i look forward to doing that on my next trip on the flip side i have to also say the pace of construction in dubai can be a little bit frightening i mean i was um, last night at the one and only beach side that the resort you would know and it was totally and completely unrecognizable my friends who were with me were like oh we used to bring out the boat and we used to camp out here at night and i just couldn't get my head around it i was constantly asking here yeah, here yeah. because there was no real beach there anymore and there were probably 40 high rises in its place and all of this has happened in a matter of years so if i can be a bit cheeky i'd love to say sometimes i wish there wasn't so much happening i mean you know i wish it didn't so much uh sometimes less is more maybe i don't know <laughs> with regards to expo it's truly magical and it's ending by the ending of march so if anyone hasn't been to dubai and seen the expo 
you should come and see the Dubai and also the Museum of Future, which I haven't seen too, Aradhana. So I'll keep you posted when I visit there. Please do let me know. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Good. So, you know, when I invited you for the show, I really wanted to hear about SDG 5, like I said in the introduction. Now, SDG 5 is quite a sensitive topic. Why do I say sensitive? Because despite the good intentions, despite the mentality that we all agree with, we do struggle with it. We're still not in an age when we can say we have gender equality and all women and girls are empowered. We've sh fallen short on this SDG and which is why we need to call it out as an SDG. And why do you think that's happening? Why, what do you think is the base of why we've fallen short on it? So uh, that's what I call a bouncer right there, Radhika. Sorry, <laughs> both my sons are keen cricketers. So apologies about the, the cricketing analogy. The biggest problem with the pursuit of SDG 5 or with feminism in all forms in general is that it's too familiar. The public are jaded, right? And we often mistake our fatigue about the fight for gender equality, for the exhaustion of patriarchy, or for the fact that there is actually a lot of change that has happened. And also the media has been many. There is so much of misleading and missing data in the world that a lot of good people, good men and women, actually believe that women now enjoy equal opportunities. It's also probably a human factor because it's in our nature as human beings to see wickedness from a distance and contrive to imagine innocence at home. And we're all guilty of this, right? So I think you're right. I mean, it's not that gender diversity is suffering from a lack of attention or even good intention. The intent is there. Leaders are making pledges to do better at building more inclusive organizations, but we are still to see results on the ground. Um, as I was telling you before, I spent a lot of my time talking to CEOs and many of them are smart, culturally aware and incredibly open-minded men. They all agree there is a problem and they want a solution, but that's the point. Sometimes good intentions are just not good enough. It's not enough to just talk about change, but we actually need to act change. And that acting will only happen if we assert SDG 5's connective place amongst the most pressing issues facing the tourism sector, like climate change, like sustainability, like resilience and recovery from a pandemic. And the answer to your question, uh, why? It's because we keep taking baby steps. We keep inching our way and we expect breakthroughs. That doesn't happen, right? Look, the data shows women in leadership is good for business. Organizations with the most women at the top can potentially deliver higher share performance and profits, nearly 50% higher. So what the best outcome is, is a no-brainer. We all know what's good. But the biggest explanation, I think, for why more women aren't in leadership, it's mostly because it reflects the pain of change. It's because there's too much focus on programs and not enough on shifting mindsets. Look, most businesses want to do better. The difference between those who have is that they have figured out how. Wow. So you're saying there should be more change of mindsets and that's the only way we'll make a paradigm shift in this. Absolutely. Tourism especially has a special role to empower women, especially when you look at direct jobs, income generation, all of this. I mean, tourism plays a special tool to empower women. And that's where we think maybe there is room to do more. Correct, because we are one of the most gender diverse sectors in the world. We have more than 50% women in our workforce. But the numbers um, at the top 
are appalling. We have less than 5% CEOs who are women, less than 6% uh, chairs uh, on boards of listed companies across the world who are women. Now, that is quite shocking. Right? Yeah. And suppose you as a chair, a board person, when you sit on board, you physically see it in front of your eyes, right? Absolutely. I'm still um, a minority. Yes, still absolutely. a minority. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. And that's the challenge. Okay. Now we've hit the nerve there, Aradhana. And I have one more question, which is equally important to me, which is the supply chain. Because mm-hmm. we have a huge impact on supply chain as tourism. Now, when you talk about fair treatment, gender equality, equal pay, how can a corporation ensure that all of these you know, goals are achieved across the supply chain? <laughs> you know, by, by shaking up the status quo. Uh, I say this in all seriousness and earnestness because it is, I think, totally underappreciated how change and excellence often requires a shakeup. Look, what we need for these organizations or corporations is to move from what, we, what we've had thus far, which is what I call a basic thinking mentality. And we need to make the transition into a strategic thinking. So basic thinking is where you have diversity initiatives in place, right? There's an HR department. They have broad targets for gender, for inclusion and advancement of women. In sharp contrast, what we need is a breakthrough thinking whereby gender equality is a top priority. A priority where there is a quarterly board level and public reporting and in an ideal situation, a chief diversity officer position and accountability. And you have to be cognizant. It it starts with the CEO. It starts at the top. When the CEO treats gender equality and diversity as if your business survival depends on it, things change very quickly. Because you see, the minute the CEO or the leadership views gender diversity as a driver of financial performance, you're automatically designating the advancement of women as a top 10 business priority. And there are very few things that are more powerful and impactful impactful than that, sorry. So, and let's also be honest, if you're running a company or if you're busy running a company, priority number 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, you know, it just doesn't get its fair share of attention, right? So I also want to stress here that CEOs who think gender diversity isn't a problem, only make it worse. And simply hiring more women in the workforce is not going to solve the problem. Organizations who really mean business need to create what I call is a culture of intention, which which is designed to deliver because it's not going to happen on its own. What I mean here is we need not only big commitments, but we also need to actively seek out solutions that deliver exponential gains. So let's Focus on things where, you know, the change can be incremental. And there is no real quick fix, Radhika, but there are a lot of small steps. So as an example, can we please start defining success in clear and concrete terms? So how does good look like, right? And then set the rules of engagement, drive accountability, and don't settle for acknowledgement. If you're in any kind of a project, initiative, insist on making room. Make it a mantra to ask who's missing around the table and how do we get those views? How do we, you know, invite that minority into that room? Number three, reward the rock stars, especially the senior female role models who are doing a a great job and breaking the glass ceiling, so to speak. Um, Push past the culture of secrecy. And it's very prevalent in a lot of organizations, right? And that facilitates discrimination. Transparency is key. And employers should not only be required to publish information on gender gap, but can we please also have them publish an action plan which documents how are they going to tackle pay inequality as an 
as an example, right? It could be anything, pay quality, sexual harassment, anything. Can we see the action plan? And then of course you need a lot of workable solutions for flexibility by which I mean flexible working laws that actually work on the ground, um, enabling women to get on with their careers while balancing or starting a family. The Scandinavian mm. countries have you know, really embraced this agile working pattern for decades. With COVID, we are now all getting into it. I'm, I couldn't be more happy. And finally, I want to end by saying we need to measure to manage, guys. We need to use technology to accelerate performance, be it with digital dashboards or AI, which can reduce bias in hiring or performance evaluation. Look, no one policy is going to be able to crack the glass ceiling, but lots of little things can come together and make a big difference. Wow. Said quite a few things, actually, I must say. But I think one and a couple of them, which I would like to recollect again for audience is that shakeup is required. You can't just accept the status quo. And I like the story of how you've connected Scandinavian country to be a one country, which is inspiring. I mean, but that's great example to talk about. And also when you said, as a metric, this needs to come top down. And I think mm -hmm. this is one of the great example of a metric where it's not about your bottom run colleagues, the junior people getting empowered and you know being there, but it has to come from CEOs. CEOs need to accept that who is sitting at my table and how is gender equality addressed throughout the organization. I think that's a very cool thing too. And I think rewarding the rock stars, like, you know, break <laughs> grass leaning. It's, you've really summarized that really well. And thank you for giving us in terms of what we need to do an action plan. When you talk about action plan, can you give us more examples in terms of where have you seen an action plan that's really implemented well? Like Scandinavian is a good example. Can I push mm -hmm. you to give me more examples as you sit in boardrooms, as you be leading and consulting through your team? Sure. I think I'll start with, and we can go around the world with this, Radhika, because there are some really <laughs> cool examples. Speaking of Scandinavia, I think Norway is a great example of a country where they came up with this non-negotiable quota legislation to drive change, which requires 40% of company board members to be women. Now, this was a decisive intervention, and the law gave the government the ability to close down or delist from the stock exchange those companies that were not complying. This was unprecedented, right? Now, quota introductions in other countries had been attempted before, but they were never as rigid. Companies in Norway feared the legislation, and that's why it worked. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not in favor of quotas, but I am in favor of targets. Another example is UK, which is, which is home for me, which decided to take the route of targets and not go the quota route. So, they came up with the representation of women on boards, which has seen a step change in the number of female FTSE 350 board members. Uh, the target of 33% has already been achieved, and now there is a revised target of requiring 40% women on FTSE boards. California is another example where there is a new legislation, relatively new, that companies with five board members need to have at least two female directors, and those that have six seats must have at least three members of the board were women. Now, this is the first such law in the US. And if you look at the board gender diversity in California, especially in the S&P 500 companies, in the last four years, it's actually moved 15%. So it's showing results on the ground, right? And it's not only in the Western world. I do a lot of work, as you know, in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia, where we are seeing, I think, 
really fast-paced, rapid reforms. Saudi Arabia has enacted legislation and criminal penalties for sexual harassment and has also prohibited gender dis discrimination as well as gender pay gap. Um, other steps taken include greater mobility along with new freedom in workplace, marriage, parenthood, education, pension, as well as access to credit for women entrepreneurs. It sounds simple, but let me tell you that this is a move which is still not play, not in place in 115 other countries. So, uh, you know, they're doing some good work. And finally, given we're in Dubai, I think this is such a stellar example of how you can marry bold thinking with visible commitments. UAE has nine women in their cabinet. Their average age is 38. The youngest minister is 22 years old. So I think it's a great example of, you know, not just leading from the front, but leading by design and by intention. Beautiful. Wow. I didn't realize that UAE had so many wonderful things in terms of women diversity right at the top. As a leaving message, Aradhan, I realize how quickly time is going by and I can't hold you for long. So as a leaving message, can you tell us or prescribe to us a tourism to-do list? if we were to shine with this metric of SDG 5? So look, for starters, gender diversity or SDG 5 is not a tourism problem. That is a convenient misrepresentation because honestly, of all kinds, of all colors, shapes, sizes, you know, from ethnic minorities, age, women are undermined, underemployed, overlooked and othered everywhere. So as a first step, I would urge our industry to remember that the situation is dire. And can we start, please, by acknowledging that we have so much to do when it comes to gender equality. In fact, the direction of travel is backwards, right? WEF um, has just revised the amount of time it's going to take for us to be in a gender equal world. And now it stands at 135 years before it used to be 99 years. In, in effect, we have lost a generation in this process. So I hope that scares us enough to do something about SDG 5. Now, the second thing is beyond the facts and figures, if we need to be on the front lines of change as a sector, please do not underestimate your own power to make things better as individuals and as a sector. We as a sector, you remember Radhika, how we came together and fought the battle against trafficking, human trafficking, didn't we? I mean, you remember where every yeah. hotel chain, every airline came together to fight that war. It didn't matter whether you were a hotel, you were an airline, you were a tour operator. It didn't matter what your brand, all that mattered is we are against human trafficking as one industry, one voice. We need the same can't fail mentality to tackle gender crisis. And I think it's a great opportunity to demonstrate the politics of the possible. And we need every person who's listening in today to become an activist, become an activist today, be a ferocious advocate, not only for your own sake, for the sake of the organization you represent, but for the sake of every girl and every woman, you know, for your daughter Radhika, for my sons, I want them to grow up in a gender equal world. Beautiful. So you have two wonderful messages to share with all of us. And it kind of makes me sentimental when you actually talk about some of these, you know, moments that we've been part of and we've come outside the other side. So you're encouraging all of us to be ferocious, to actually look around the table each time we sit, to look around your office and ensure that we are the champions for change. Exactly right. And given it's International Women's Day, when you're going to be airing this, I think the message of breaking the bias is especially poignant and relevant. I'm optimistic, Aradhana, <laughs> I think. And I hope 
my listeners can reach you if they want to know more about how do you action, how do you enable this to come to life, the vision? Absolutely. LinkedIn is the- Bring me on LinkedIn uh, by all means. Would love to connect, would love to help, support in any way I can. Delighted with that. Thank you, Aradhana. It was wonderful having you and we shall continue our chat by the poolside. <laughs> Pleasure to finally speak to you, Radhika. Thank you so much. No, thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I would love your feedback on reviews and thanks again for supporting the show.